Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan, and we have a show for you here today. I am currently in Bryan, Texas, College Station area, the home of Texas A&M. We are out here. The Megan clan is out here attempting to purchase a house. We've had some ups and downs. It's been interesting to say the least, our, our time out here in Bryan College Station. Um, we have entrenched ourselves with a little bit of a battle with the lady we're buying the house from. She's a real swell gal, if you know what I mean there. But we've also gotten you know some splashes of good news. Our kids were originally supposed to go to two different schools. They're now going to one school, so we're very happy for that. A guy died in the room next to us at the hotel we're staying at, apparently had been dead for a few days, I would say north of a week or so, because I definitely smelled him in the morning. So uh, I am sitting currently at the mini bar in our hotel room, attempting to record this episode off of a laptop as we are continuing our win totals here for the 2022 season. I am doing this straight on Anchor directly onto the website. So I have a 30 minute time cap now on these episodes with no editing capabilities. So everything you are hearing is live and in real time. Uh, so let's get into the episode for today as we continue with the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Coastal Division. We are going to start with the Miami Hurricanes. I know that a lot of folks have looked forward to uh, this preview and this breakdown as far as talking about the Hurricanes. Now, Caesars has these guys at eight and a half wins and let's talk about it real quick. So for me, eight and a half, I, I think is, is reasonable. Um, I, if it was sitting at eight, I'd like it a hell of a lot better, but I still don't hate eight. Uh, I still do not hate eight and a half. Now taking a look at their schedule, they open the year with Bethune Cookman on September 3rd. They have Southern Miss coming to town next. So I think they'll rack up two quick wins there. Then they, on September the 17th, have a trip at Texas A&M, funny enough, out here. I think I am actually going to try to make that game maybe live and in person with our good friend Marquez Williams, who may also be planning to take the trip out here. We still have a little coordinations to do, but it should be a great atmosphere for this game. And I think this that one will tell you a lot about where Miami's legitimacy actually resides, right? Uh, Middle Tennessee on September the 24th will be a win. That's September 17th matchup prior to, though, here in Texas A&M. I am going to give the edge to the Aggies because they are playing at home. They have a really talented roster, not to say that Miami doesn't, but Texas A&M's roster is actually more talented and has been recruited better over the last couple of years. They play in a big boy league, and I think that you know getting a taste of that in environment on the road Texas A&M, Kyle Field, I think it's going to be really hard for them to overcome. So I do have them taking a loss there. But on October the 1st, their open date, right, taking a look at it, I do solidly have the Hurricanes at 3-1 and one for sure. I think anything less than that, and they'd be in kind of legitimate trouble. Now, coming out of there on October the 8th, they host North Carolina. And I think this is a really interesting matchup between the two because North Carolina actually has a very talented roster with the way they have recruited. They just haven't put it together on the field. I wonder if the Tar Heels are a little bit sneaky better than people may be expecting out of them. 
And if the expectations for that team didn't arrive a year or so early or a couple of years early, given that Mac Brown had success, you know, there a little bit early, um, I wonder if some of the expectation with Sam Howell and all that other stuff just kind of came a bit premature. So we'll, we'll came premature. <laughs> uh, anyway, so moving on. Uh, then at Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech in a rebuilding session now. I don't think that they have enough to beat Miami. Uh, so I believe that will be a win. They'll win at Duke. I believe they'll win on the road at Virginia. I think they'll get right in the rivalry game against Florida State and get a win there as well. Although that may be a little more toss-up territory because of the rivalry factor. That North Carolina game, I have a little more toss-up territory because of the talent factor. And then uh, at Georgia Tech, I think should be an easy win for them. At Clemson is going to be another one of those sort of keystone mile markers for the season to show how good Miami actually is. I think that is a tall task. What we've seen out of the Hurricanes is they have played well against mid middling to lower level teams in the conference and across the power five. But when they run into an actual legitimate good team, they have gotten spanked. We saw it against Clemson when they visited them a couple of years ago. We saw their season opener against Miami, what, or excuse me, against um, Alabama, what happened to them last year, right? So when they run into legitimate talented teams, it is really hard for them to get that win. A lot of times they wind up getting embarrassed. So I think they do take the L there. What that looks like will tell me a lot about where Miami's at. And then on November the 26th, a team in Pitt that is always sort of wily for these guys. They do host them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that goes down the schedule. Taking a look at it, right, I really only identify what I would call per, perhaps two surefire losses being at AM and at Clemson. Other than that, I think every other game on their schedule is winnable. There are a couple toss-ups for me. There's absolutely virtual lock wins I have on there for them, like Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, Duke, Georgia Tech for sure wins, right? And then uh, Virginia as well. Like Those are for sure wins for me. The real toss-up territory is kind of pit. I'm taking a look at that North Carolina matchup too. I think worst-case scenario for the Miami Hurricanes this year, they go 8-4. and four. I think best case scenario for the Miami Hurricanes is they find a way to get one they shouldn't have gotten. They win all the ones they're supposed to win, and maybe this team stretches out to a ten and two. So I'm going to split the difference and go with a nine and three. There's definitely talent on the roster. Tyler Van Dyke should have you know a good year coming in here. They have some weapons defensively. They have some pieces that I, I really do like on this team that have had a year to kind of like get right. And we saw that that Manny Diaz youth movement sort of, uh, you know, get that on-the-job training last year. So if they're able to take another step forward coming into this season, I think that 9-3 and three is very doable for the Miami Hurricanes. And as I'm sitting here right now in August, I like this team to stretch out, really kind of strut around a little bit and win this Coastal Division. I do expect to see Miami – Possibly playing, I, I, I would say it. I, I'm going to come out and say it. I do think that this team will play for an ACC title this year. Whether or not they have the actual talent, they can stand up and kind of wash the Miami off of themselves a little bit from you know the last several years and actually win the thing. I don't know, but I do see them competing for one this season. So I'm going to take the over eight and a half on the Miami Hurricanes. The next team that they have 
projected here uh, at Caesars is the Pitt Panthers at eight and a half wins as well. And this one I like a little bit less. Now, the reason for this is I believe that Kenny Pickett last season really meant a, a lot. I mean, like a lot to this Pitt Panthers team and their success. So did Jordan Addison. Both of those guys are gone with Pitt's ability to put up points last year. That was really, you know, what we saw out of that team. It was a dynamic, explosive offensive team that was able to put you in positions where you were down early that allowed their defense, which again was solid, to play one-dimensional opponents a lot of times because they were trying to catch up down on the scoreboard, having to throw the ball, putting teams in that position. Pitt did a good job with that last year, and I don't know if that same explosive offensive attack is going to be here this year. They have USC transfer quarterback Keaton Slovis, who should be the signal caller coming into this year. They have uh, you know, a, a couple of pieces around him, but again, the Pickett and Addison exodus I think is going to hurt this team really bad. They do return pretty much their entire front seven, which is great. Uh, the linebacker position should be really solid. The back end's a little bit of a question mark, I think, for this team. But taking a look at the schedule, they open September 1st with West Virginia hosting them in the backyard brawl. And even with the pieces that this team has lost, I think this Pitt team is undoubtedly better than West Virginia. So I'm going to give them the win on that one. On September the 10th, they host Tennessee for their home-and-home home scheduled uh, you know, series here. And we really do like Tennessee this year. Now, this still early in the season, I think, is a little bit of toss-up territory, as I do think Tennessee will mature as the year goes on and actually get a little bit better. So getting Tennessee early and getting them at home, I have this as a toss-up. But if I had to lean one way or the other, I really like what Tennessee brings back offensively a lot more than I'm liking what the situation at Pitt. Now, even though Pitt's defense is solid and they are returning a lot of it, the, the Volunteers' offense, I think, is really going to take a step further to where it's going to take a – not just a good defense, but I think we're flirting with elite-level defense to be able to kind of stop them uh, with what the, I think they could be potentially ready to do this year. So I I actually have – if I if I was going to be honest with you, I'm going to lean towards the Tennessee Volunteers in that one so I could see them taking a loss. September the 17th at Western Michigan. Western Michigan, not a bad MAC team in their own right, and we definitely did see Pitt step on their crank against G5 last year, so – um, I, I still think they get the win at Western Michigan. I would just say take a just watch out for that one because Western Michigan does return a pretty good squad coming off of a really good 2021 campaign last year. September the 24th, Rhode Island, I think that's an easy win. Georgia Tech, that's an easy win. Virginia Tech, I think they get the win there as well. And what you'll really have to like about that stretch from September the 24th all the way through October the 8th is they're at home. So it is an opportunity for them to get right. It is an opportunity for them to stack up some wins. So taking a look there at the front half of their season, I could see them being a 5-1 and one team. It's the stretch through October and you know November here that kind of has me worried a little bit. On October the 22nd, they have to go on the road to face a Louisville team that I think is going to be better than they were last year. I like some pieces that Louisville has brought back. 
Um, certainly a player like Malik Cunningham can make your defense look kind of stupid. And uh, he is very capable of putting up points on the ground uh, with his, what he's able to do with his feet as well as through the air. So I could see them actually taking an L at Louisville. Then they have to turn around and go at North Carolina. Depending on what sort of North Carolina team shows up, if the talent on this North Carolina squad has matured, uh, you have to remember one of their better recruiting classes of all time will be coming into their third year of action here in North Carolina. We really could see the Tar Heels gel this year and be much better product than what we saw last year. So uh, I'm actually leaning towards that a little bit. So I think they do take another loss at North Carolina. Uh, November the 5th, they host Syracuse. I believe they'll get a win there. On the 12th, they go at Virginia. I think Virginia and Virginia Tech are going to be a little bit of a mess this year, I'll be honest with you. So uh, I could see them getting the win there. And then turning around, hosting Duke, I think they get the win there. And then at Miami, I see them taking the loss. So if we're totaling it up here, we've got Tennessee, I think, is a loss. I think Louisville's a loss. I think UNC is a loss. And I think Miami's a loss. So if that's the case then I think this team is a lot more likely to go sort of eight and four or seven and five than I'm seeing nine and three. So I'm going to hit, I'm not going to hammer it, but I'm going to hit the under. Um, not, you know, like totally a hundred percent sure, but I'm, I'm going to lean under on this team this year, this Pitt Panthers team. Again, I just think Kenny Pickett was so integral, integral to their success last year with what he was able to do. Uh, that he's going to be really, really, you know, sort of missed this year. I think we're going to see that express itself for sure. The next team we are talking about is North Carolina. UNC projected at seven and a half wins coming into this year. And uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, North Carolina is a team that has some dudes that were very highly rated recruits that have are now coming into what should be their true junior campaigns. I mean, we've got uh, guys like Miles Murphy, Tony Grimes at the cornerback position, one of the more highly rated and recruited dudes there. Uh, guys across the uh, defensive secondary, guys uh, like Josh Downs coming into his true junior year at, as a one of the better receiving weapons in the ACC. Uh, at quarterback, obviously losing Sam Howell who was such a gamer and, and such a competitor for sure um, hurts. But I just don't think that the roster was mature enough around him. And I'm not exactly sure like what happened culture-wise there last year, but I do think that the latent talent level on this roster may be good enough this year to cover up a little bit of maybe coaching mishap or whatever. I, I think that this is the team – that everybody has really sold stock on pretty hard because of how disappointing they were last year and how much faith people put into them last year for them to show up as a lame duck. And coming into this year, flying a little bit under radar, I think I like UNC better. I like UNC better as a dog than I do as a favorite, if that makes any sense. But let's take a look here at this 7.5 projected win total by Caesars. On August the 27th, they've got FAMU. They're hosting them. I think that that is a win for sure. 
at App State could be tricky. Appalachian State, one of the better G5 programs historically around, a very solid team out of the Sun Belt, plays really good football on both sides of the ball, and culture is not an issue with App State. This is a team that likes to get after Power 5 teams. They go toe-to-toe with them. They do not care. They definitely gave Miami all they could handle last year. So I think a team where at Appalachian State, up there playing at elevation in Boone, that environment could be tough to overcome. It could be. Uh, But if I'm believing in this talent level enough for UNC, I think at the end of the day, the players are just far more talented and find a way to get that win, although I do feel that that will be more of a dogfight than people may be expecting. And then on September the 10th at Georgia State, at Georgia State, now Georgia State, again, another G5 team out of the Sunbelt East that, you know, the Sunbelt East is, I think, extremely crowded this year with teams. Any of those teams could potentially win it. I mean, there are literally legitimately three or four teams that I think could win that division this year. I think it's going to be a bloodbath because this Georgia State team is not bad in their own right. But again, UNC did thump them last year pretty resoundingly. So I do think that they go on the road and get the win there and then take a rest date on September the 17th before the much-anticipated showdown with Notre Dame. They're going to host that game on September the 24th. Now, Judging how UNC handles the first three weeks will make me kind of go yay or nay on this one a little bit facing Notre Dame. If UNC comes out and cuts out the clown shoes nonsense that we saw out of them last year, the kind of quit factor, the hot and cold inconsistency, even down to down and drive to drive, and we see a more um, you know complete product out of the Tar Heels this year, I'll feel a little bit better about this matchup. However, I still think Notre Dame – is just a team that they are not going to lose to unranked teams. I don't think that UNC, even being 3-0 and going into this contest, would have the resume to be ranked, right? Um, so I, I see Notre Dame taking the win there and uh, UNC taking their first loss. Then they've got Virginia Tech coming into town. Like I said, Virginia Tech in a little bit of a rebuild, so I like them to get the win. So right there, that brings UNC to 4-1 and one going into the contest at Miami. And we've seen this North Carolina team take it out on Miami in, rec- you know, in recent history. I mean, we, we saw them. Now, again, that was a very talented, chalked, full, talented UNC team that uh, kind of came up and surprised people, right? It was the year that they were a little more of the dog and they, they rose to the occasion, if you will and got a lot of people excited about what they could do last year. I think we see a a team that is closer to that that returns. Like I said a minute ago, this Miami-UNC game is a little more of a toss-up than I think people are appreciating. However, I do think I would give the edge to the Hurricanes, leaning slightly that way, at home. So let's say that that's a potential L as well. At Duke, another win, as I see Duke being – you know, again, they're Duke. They're one of the worst teams in FBS, although we will get to them in a minute. But, um, you know, it, that that should be absolutely a win for this North Carolina team. Then they take a second bye week on October the 22nd before hosting Pitt. Again, this Pitt game, like we said, UNC being a little more talented, coming off of a fresh week, two weeks to prepare, 
they could get the win there. Then I take a look at Virginia. I'm not sold on them at all. So I think that they could take uh, another win there. The recent development, November the 12th, they take a trip at Wake Forest. We just found out that quarterback Sam Hartman for Wake Forest is out indefinitely with a non-football related health condition, whatever that means. We're, we're, we're not sure. We're not going to speculate. But that changes the total dynamic for this Wake Forest game. Now, I will say this. Good news for Wake, it's at home and it's later in the year. So maybe they will have an opportunity, if it is not Sam Hartman, back there as the signal caller, to develop him a little bit, whoever that guy is going to be, whoever the uh, the quarterback's going to be in that situation. And there's, again, weapons like A.T. Perry still on the roster for Wake Forest. But if the bottom drops off for Wake, you could see the most talented players on the field that actually have Sunday Futures maybe hitting opt-outs by this time. So uh, college football news has this sort of projected as a Wake Forest win, given the setting. I think I'm going to flip that back to a North Carolina win. So we've got another win on the schedule potentially for them. Then they go to Georgia. Then they host Georgia Tech on November the 19th. Sorry, Jackets, you're going to get your ass spanked, I think, in this one. And then November the 25th, hosting NC State, who – I think this NC State team is really, really good this year. Maybe the best NC State team we've seen in about a decade, decade and a half, maybe two decades, uh, potentially. If they play up to their potential this year, I think they could be a really, really good team. Uh, So I I have that as a loss. So chalking up the losses here, I've got Notre Dame. I've got Miami. I've got NC State. Uh, Taking a look at toss-up territory, I've got Pitt as a toss-up. Virginia, maybe if they go there and don't play a really good game. So given the schedule, taking a look at this team, like I said, if this talent matures and hits the way it's supposed to, I think this is an eight and four team. I do. So I'm going to actually take the over on North Carolina here at seven and a half. I like it to be a tight race between them and Pitt, basically for who is going to finish second in the coastal if Miami does things the way they're supposed to. Let's get through these last teams here a little bit quicker as I don't know how many exactly Virginia or Virginia Tech fans that listen to the pod are actually on here, right? But um, taking a look at what the Cavaliers coming into this year, coming into this year have for a win total, theirs sits at seven exactly. And when I see whole numbers like that, I like to lean the over if I think the team is obviously capable of it because worst case scenario, you make your money back, right? However, taking a look at the Virginia Cavaliers coming into this year, I just don't think I see it. I think they would be lucky to make a bowl game this year given what they have lost. Now, they do have quarterback Brennan Armstrong, but their whole offensive line is gone. I mean, the whole one, like every one of them is gone. They've lost a lot of key pieces uh, at skill positions and and weapons that they had uh, from last year. Defensively, again, not a great team. They do return a couple of pieces, but they've also lost a few to the transfer portal and graduation. And I just don't think that the latent talent level of this team makes me feel really good. And then we take a look at this schedule here, and, you know, they they have to obviously – they take on – Miami, they take on North Carolina, they take on Pitt. Um, They do host all of those games, but in non-con, they also have Coastal Carolina, 
that has to come to town. They have to take a trip at Illinois to play that Big Ten West team, which is a very physical football team. I don't really like the matchup either because I feel like Illinois may be able to take the air out of the ball a little bit and just kind of pound on these dudes for Virginia who are not very big actually and not extremely physical at the point of attack. Uh, I think at Syracuse could even be a tricky matchup for them. They have to take on Louisville. Uh, I think, you know, this Louisville team, like I said, is going to be pretty good. So let's talk about it. On September 3rd, Richmond, they got to win. Old Dominion, I think they take the win there. Duke, I could see them getting the win for sure, Duke. Um, They have to take a trip to Georgia Tech. Uh, I think they do get a win there as well. But then we're taking a look, you know, Coastal. I don't know. I feel like that's more toss-up territory as I would expect Coastal Carolina to be one of the better G5, certainly one of the better Sunbelt programs, and and therefore, you know, definitely a top 10 to 15 G5 program. So that could be tough for these guys. Um, I got them taking a loss against Pitt. I got them taking a loss in North Carolina. I got them taking a loss Miami. I, you know, should I go on? So uh, with this many unknowns on this schedule and the amount of unknowns that we have across the roster for the Virginia Cavaliers, I just don't see it in the cards for them. So I'm going to take the under seven for sure. And then flipping it over to Virginia Tech, it's really the same story, different chapter. When you're talking about talent that has left the exodus of talent from the Virginia Tech Hokies from one year to the next, they have a win total that sits at six and a half. And taking a look at this right now, they go at Old Dominion. Uh, They have lost Old Dominion in recent years, just to let you know, but I think that would be a win for them. Boston College, September the 10th comes to town. I think BC is a better team top to bottom than Virginia Tech. So I, I have that as a loss. Wofford, they take on on the 17th. I believe that'll be a win. West Virginia, hosting West Virginia September 22nd, because of where the talent level is for both of these teams and everything they have both lost, this is solid toss-up territory for me. I would not resoundingly lean towards Virginia Tech in this one. At North Carolina, I believe, is a loss. At Pitt, I believe, is a loss. Hosting Miami, I believe, is a loss. I got them losing at NC State. Um, shoot, man. I don't, I don't even know if they do beat Virginia. That's, you know, their rivalry game to, to end the year on November the 26th. Um, I don't see Georgia Tech or Duke getting them. I don't think Liberty is quite the team that they were last year. So I could see wins there, but I mean, if you really want to go down the list here, because they have that toss up with West Virginia, Um, which I'm not sure which way that goes. That's a 50-50 split. And solid losses on here to Boston College, North Carolina, Pitt, Miami, NC State. I mean, that's five L's I've got right there. Injury bug bites the right way. Personnel don't quite sync up the way they're supposed to. Or we see a Georgia Tech or a Duke swing, you know, for the fences and get one on them somehow. Or they lose that one to Virginia in the rivalry game. I mean, you're looking at, you know, six losses at that point. So because of the volatility factor that I could see with this Virginia Tech Hokies team, maybe at best we see them seven and five, maybe something at worst we could see like a four and eight. I'm going to kind of split the difference here, and I'm taking the under six and a half for 
what I would think would probably be a six and six Virginia Tech Hokies team. At the bottom of the barrel here, we've got Georgia Tech and we've got Duke. And just to kind of close this out, neither one of these guys have great win projections. I think right now we've got Georgia Tech sitting at three and a half. Uh, let me check it real quick. I believe that it is at three and a half. Yes, it is. And then we've got Duke sitting, uh, you know, at a comfortable right here at three, right? So three and a half and three for Duke and Georgia Tech, respectively. Both of these teams are not very good. Obviously, both of these teams don't have a great talent level, but one of these teams has a much more manageable schedule than the other. Georgia Tech, one of the hardest schedules in the country as they do have to take on Clemson. Obviously, they have to play Georgia. They've also got Miami. They've got North Carolina. They have Pitt. They have Florida State at Florida State. I just don't see the wins, uh, you know, piling up for these guys. They also have a tough non-con with Ole Miss and at UCF. So I could honestly see this absolutely dropping out for Jeff Collins and crew, especially with all the players and all the talent that Georgia Tech has lost to the transfer portal. One of their best edge rushers as well, well as running back Jameer Gibbs, not leaving a lot of help there for those guys, right? And then, but for Duke, so I'm, I'm solidly on the under if you weren't getting that. I am under three and a half. Duke at three. Uh, I'm push. I am push lean under for sure. Temple and North Carolina AT, I've got his wins, uh, but I could see them losing at Northwestern. I could see them losing at Kansas. And if you're losing those games right there, I just don't know how that's going to bode for the rest of your schedule. Now, I am pretty much out of time. I don't want to lose this recording. So I hope you enjoyed the ACC Coastal as we've done it at a remote location here. Any given time, any given place, any given team, you get it here at any given you.